0: John Copenhaver,
1: and Al Warren, heard on KC. 106.5 FM Los Angeles,
2: 102.3 FM Riverside,
0: and one oh five oh AM Palm Springs.
2: You are back in the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren. Now, today we've got special (laughs) co-host... (laughs) He's <laughs> been here for a bit. He he just got a new book come out and, and so he's been, you know, really busy. Uh everyone's just you know, a New York Times review. Ooh. Ooh. Hey Al. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mr. John Copenhaver.
1: <laughs>
2: you got it right. Yay! Oh, that was hard. <laughs> everyone knows i have a problem sometimes and uh <laughs> lately it's been more than ever um yeah so that's good you've done really well you know
1: yeah it's been it's been a crazy crazy fall but yeah it's been good it's been very good
2: yeah and you were on with the hank Philippi ryan or whatever you know doing weren't you doing oh yeah like? the
1: well a couple of things yeah there's a first chapter fun which was uh a great uh thing that she does um she's really a consummate uh sort of uh community crime writing community member and always supporting other crime writers so um she uh does this great thing where they read the uh uh, first chapter or so of of novels during lunchtime um and and that was fun that was great it was really fun way into a new kind of event to do so yeah um, enjoyed it
2: yeah, I don't know if it's going to get much better next year the way things are going, but we'll see. Yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? And she's got a ter- an incredible amount of energy. I do not know how she does that.
1: Yeah, yeah, My, it's kind of, kind of amazing. Actually, it's like
2: she's got coffee going right into her veins or something. <laughs> crazy. And when she was on the show, she was just wow. Slow down. Calm down. It was making. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, so we're on, uh, this is actually the last recording of the year, so that'll oh, wow. be it, and and then they'll be playing reruns until January 10th. Oh, wow. I know, I get to vacation, I get to vacation in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, it's extra warm up there anyway. Um, well, so we've got a great guest, great guest to end the year in. Uh, great writer. Um, so uh, let's just get him in here and let's start talking. Mr. Uh, David Marlette, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks.
3: Good. Good to talk with you both. Um, yeah. And like I said, you saved the best for last, right? I, before. Exactly.
2: Before. It was a buildup. It was
3: we, this it, year. right. The whole year has been leading to this one. <laughs> the 200 shows
2: before were all just the warm-up acts. You are okay. Britney Spears.
1: Yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
3: oh uh, uh, did it again yeah <laughs> there you go
2: see that's what we need to do you know yeah i'm i'm fascinated with it. i think john is too i think he's a perfect co-host for this one because you are kind of really good and doing um histor- historical fiction like thrillers um, uh, but also you've got a lot of real life in your books as well. Like you're, you're, you're doing this really well. And I, I find this area really fascinating. Um, what makes you write these t- types of books? You, you do a lot of historical fiction, like we're talking.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I'm, yeah, that's really my primary interest. Although now I have decided to, um, I'm cur- the one I'm currently writing is, uh, it's, I, I feel like I'm, uh, switching art forms um, because I'm writing a contemporary fiction that has, uh, that's not historical, uh, that's not based on true story. So it's a, uh, and I'm writing it entirely from a woman's point of view. So I, there's a, there is a, uh, there's a part of me that's saying, <clears throat> how you know, am I being r- suicidal? Um, but in any case, <laughs> no, but I'm going back to, a, a my next one will be back to historical fiction based on major trials. Um, that's really what, interest me you know primarily is the human drama and the story between some things that led to uh, extraordinary trials but um but the trial is not the centerpiece at all uh it's all the people and the characters and what led to get there um and then you do of course have that that drama of the trial um if if it actually does go to trial the next one i'm doing is the bombing the los angeles times and Clarence Darrow's uh, activities in Los Angeles in 1910 and just extraordinary story. But, um, but it actually doesn't even end up going to a literal trial. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Um, so yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, yeah. I just find that human drama quite interesting. And I think it's something that we can, that pulls, um, you know, me and, and, and hopefully the reader um, if, if it's got enough interesting characters, I'm not interested in writing just a collection of, you know, legal, you know, coverage of legal trials at all. Um, right. How I pick them is, is very, um, you know, they got to speak to me. As far as something to say, and, and American Red, I think, has a lot to say relative to today as well. But in any case,
2: well, but how do you how do you assemble something like this for yourself? Like when you when you talk about Clarence Darrow, of course, and stuff. Like when you go back to the trials, and I know in your fortunate son, you were talking about the uh, the you know the big trial and um, in 18th right. century Ireland, and and it re- really right. led to some important things. Um, but I find, like when I went through, I just did like uh, a Leopold and Lowe book and dealt with Clarence right. Darrow. When you go through a right. lot of his stuff, um, it's very at the time and not a lot of personality. There is, but there isn't. You know what I mean? It's it's how he's presented himself, and even it is.
3: You know, he kind of hides himself behind a lot of that. Um, and so I don't. Try to invent personality that we don't know. Um, in other words, he was rather dry from from all appearances, even in his in his dealings with people. I mean, he he personally was a you know he was he was um, enjoyed ho- holding court and being a storyteller um, at um, you know at various events when he was invited that sort of thing. But otherwise, you know, he's pretty quiet about his own life, and there's not a lot out there relative to his. And I'm not trying to write a biography about him at all. He's just one of a, um, you know, a catalog of characters. I find him interesting, but but a lot of what we do know about him is through his actions um, and what he did. And and I love him because he's just, I mean, he's just, you know, at, at least in uh, some of us of a certain generation know who he is. Um, you know, I find most of my readers don't know who he yeah. is, uh, but, but certainly the lawyers do um, generally they are, you know, if they're, familiar um and his the fact that he's you know pretty you know i, I like it that he's this conciliary for this murderous uh, son of a bitch uh in, in and you know deals with a lot of conflicted characters and who he represents um it, to me that's a delicious thing um <laughs> where where there's no you know, he's not some you know all American. Let's all you know. It's it's um, he's out for money for himself. And when you get into nineteen ten, he's bribing jurors and gets himself uh, right. thrown out of California. Oh, yeah. um, so you know, it's he's an interesting conflict you know conflicted character. But he's he's not my um, you know an American red. He he's one of uh, uh, some some interesting characters that I, I discovered.
2: I think what I'm trying to get is how do you make this character come to life when you haven't got a lot of personal details, um, you know, when they're when they're past and they're dead, and you you kind of have to go through n- news articles and newspapers, and you have to go through right. court documents and stuff like that. And I guess that's where the fiction part comes in, in a sense. Yeah, I'm
3: not I'm not one for nonfiction. I mean, I love reading it. I mean, uh, nonfiction. I read a lot of nonfiction, um, but. Uh, and I appreciate the art form. It's just not my, I enjoy the drama and I want to be able to bring them, you know, give them words and speak and and not try to claim that this, these are things they actually said. Um, of course, you've got the trial transcripts, which are always a wonderful place to start. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and you get a sense for that. And then you have to go into your imagination, obviously, um, as to what might drive the story. And for me, it's, because I'm not trying to do a biography. It's all driving the story. Mm-hmm. Is there a theme here? You know, I, I had, I spent a lot more time in American Red. I spent a fair amount of time, three or four more chapters didn't, didn't make in the book. of uh, Clarence Darrow, for example, for Clarence Darrow in Chicago with his wife and, and her relationship with, the, with, with a woman, things that we know were true. What was his relationship? What was experience there? Well, it didn't really drive the story. Um, so a lot of that came out. It was interesting, maybe might be an interesting biographical sort of thing, but I'm really, even that I'm not trying to be biographical. I'm just trying to push the narrative. Um, and so to the point that I do deal with he and his wife in a quick scene uh, near the end of the book, um, you know, it's one, I would take it, my editor was, you know, thinking, is this really, even this part, is it really necessary to this overall story? And I thought, yeah, let's leave it. You know, it's it's quick. We don't spend a lot of time on it. And it gives a little more character as to him and how she worked with him and some of the things he did. It has to drive the story. I guess is all I'm trying to say. It has to drive the story. Uh, you can, especially when you get a cast of characters, which are really interesting. I've got You know, good grief! So many in this 1910 one that um, it's really more picking who do I want to bring alive. Um, How is that going to How's that going to serve serve the story? Um, Because you can get off and you know so many.
2: So when you're putting together something like like this, even American Red, are you sort of looking at um, trying to? I don't know how do you say have a subtext? Are you trying to actually put out some sort of meaning? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. That's
3: really kind of the only thing that drives me is, I'm not the only thing that drives me, but I'm, um, what is, what's the takeaway? You know, where is, what is, what's being said here? And that's why I try to do an introduction. Um, you know, I, I try to use a. a, um, um, I try to set the stage. Um, and I think that there's a lot. We're, we're dealing with this a lot today, this idea of what is socialism? What is you know, what is corporate power? What is individual rights? What is, you know, we're seeing labor. We're, we're dealing with these same sort of things that where they were certainly dealing with in American Red. It's just that you have this collision of, of, you know, the wild west, new technology and the human drama. Well, we've kind of got that today with social media and, and internet, et cetera, and how it impacts, um, a lot of these things. So to me, there's a lot of crossover and I'm trying to, I'm, I, you know at one of my um uh when I was doing the book tour that you know someone's saying that I kind of asked some people do you, can you tell which side I'm on and most people at least the ones I've asked or, or brought it up say they can't, which makes me happy yeah. Uh um that 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 both have both sides of these big arguments um, well in, in any case, so yeah, I'm definitely trying to I'm only really interested in stories that I feel like. I can see an objective of point A to point B. I can, I'm hoping to move the reader to, uh, to not just entertain them, but hopefully give them something to mull about. Um, and that's what was so beautiful for me about Fortunate Son. It's not just this trial of, I an mean, amazing trial, but it, at the end to me, you know, I, it's for the reader to say, but I certainly would hope that there, you know, there's a big question of what are what, what's it all worth? Um, who who are we in the end are we what society tells us we are or are we who we make ourselves to be which is what you know it's that's a true story of what james annalsy chose to do at the end
2: if you have to be a little bit more particular or if you actually if you think about when you're putting together a story like like either one of these books um, in today's kind of climate of political correctness let's just say or you know awareness Mm -hmm. does it sort of make you kind of reanalyze and maybe perhaps write something in a in a a way that you wouldn't normally
3: yeah that's a great question and the short answer is no I'm I'm kind of I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder against a lot of that I think that especially historical reinvention I think what's interesting is who we are as just human beings every era has its foibles every era has its oh my god you said that (laughs) um you know and it's that just you know the next generation is going to be saying that about this one um in certain ways and to me it's it's disingenuous and dishonest if you're not um taking us back to where where they were um and regardless, let the chips fall where they may um you know it's something that kind of is a little pet peeve of mine a lot of this historical reinvention in order to soothe the the nerves of the modern audience
1: um Right. I mean, you almost I think sometimes it can be irresponsible because it's misconstruing something about the past. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah,
3: yeah. it's it, it, humans are humans are humans. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. That's what makes the historical fiction to me work is when someone says, yeah, these, these people are just like us. We're not different. We're not different human beings. We're all capable of some of these horrific things um possibly mean, you know i mean as a society we're certainly capable um and we're all capable of some of the extraordinary good and so that to me is far more interesting and yeah no i don't um you know there's 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 a key i'm not giving anything really away in american red that i discovered about his wife and how she gave his her sister to him as his concubine to our main uh bad bad dude well they tried to run that as Yeah, I discovered all that through the trial transcripts because they tried to run that in and disparage him at at his murder trial saying what a horrible person he was because he was sleeping with his his wife's sister. Um, Well, to me, that's far more interesting Mm -hmm. is, you know, I I hope people judge because, listen, guess what? They were judging back then, too. But let's dig to how interesting. What does that really say about the wife? Um, And she's invalid and she's, you know, and she's. So I, you know, I just try to die. I like to dive into those controversies and make people a little uncomfortable. The very first scene we see of her is she's listening to them having sex through the wall and she's wishing they'd hurry up and finish so they can get to dinner and, and, and hoping her husband's going to be in a better mood. Um, you know, it's she, I, I mean, I love the conflict and she's deeply religious and, and she's got a murderer for her husband and who also does a lot of good. Um, you know, he's one of the people that. One of that caused the, um, you know, the beginning of anti-child labor laws and health care mm-hmm. and and uh, so many and and wages, fair wages and eight hour work days and all those kinds of things. At the same time, he was a tremendous murdering son of a bitch.
1: What a wonderful. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like human, <laughs> human complexity, right? I mean, you, you,
3: yeah, you know, and he's sleeping with his wife's sister, and and yeah. you know, is she? And I know most of my readers are female, and so I enjoy poking a little bit and saying, "Yeah, be careful before you start judging her." Yeah. Is she not? Maybe she's just trying to live her life. She's, you know, as best she knows how. Um, so that's 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 the fun I kind of have. Relative. That's a long-winded answer, but. Um, to today's pers- you know, foibles. Um, I'm more interested in showing how this isn't anything new. Us, us, our social struggle with right and wrong, and what offends and what doesn't offend, and um, character assassinations or or or, he- or over heroizing um, certain people. Um, yeah, you know, that's nothing new.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, one thing that is is different about what you're doing versus what I'm doing is I don't actually write about, I put things in real, of course, historical periods, but but I don't write about historical, you know, events. I mean, I don't really try to fictionalize historical events. They're kind of happening in the background and and impact characters. But you actually take, you know, historical characters and you imbue them with Fictional life, you know? Um, and I'm always curious about that because um, at what point do you feel like, you know, you have done enough research? You feel like <laughs> confident enough to like dive into and start filling in the gaps fictionally? Um, I, I, mean, I don't, I never know quite myself. <laughs> so that's why I'm asking. Yeah. For.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, there is, there is no, as you, as you're saying, too, I think we, we you'd agree that there is no right way or, or a way or anything else. I, I truly let the story lead me. I know this particular thing happened. I know they got my main guy. They abducted him in this, you know, zero dark 30 way. And so we got him on a train. Well, I knew the basics. Well, what conversations might have had to, had to have happened in order to get to that point? Um, and so that's. You know, some of those where I'm just totally making it up. I have no, you know, we haven't, there's no record of who talked to who. I just know you've got to get, you've got a practical action that has to happen. So what's the more interesting conversation behind the scenes? Um, What are the whispers in the dark waiting, trying to pounce on this guy? What's he doing at that time? I don't know. I just know where they arrested him. I know they arrested him in bed with his wife's sister. Okay. Well, by that point in the story, I don't want that to be a shock to the reader although it was a shock to those people at the time. So that informs me a little bit. Um, you know, how would this big guy, giant guy that's, um, you know, fierce, how would he react when someone's busting down his door? Um, you know, that, that those kinds of things, I don't know. I don't know what happened. There's no record of that. But I feel like I can be as true, to answer your question is, I definitely feel a responsibility to be as true as I possibly can to what we do know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't get too carried away, you know, <laughs> um, you know, try to stay within round, you know, just again, humans are humans are humans. What would happen today? Well, it's, it's probably the same thing that happened then. I mean, as far as basics are concerned, but I do try to find, you know, like I would, like I have a scene, I needed to move the story forward with, for example, a scene between the wife and her sister. Well, imagining what their relationship was, you know, they love each other. They ha- the, the wife wants the sister to be around. Um, the wife is in a wheelchair, you know, with polio and she's, um, and so I needed a conversation somewhere. It was just it, the story was needing a conversation between these two women as to their relationship with the same man. You have to imagine that surely they had the conversation plenty of times, right? Of course. So. Therefore, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm giving this as a long-winded sort of example. I start searching for a scene. Where can I put these women mm-hmm. to have a reasonable conversation where the reader is also getting something interesting to see? I just don't want to sit them back in the parlor sitting there across from each other in two chairs. Um, and so I just, you know, I start going and doing the research of what's happening in Denver at that time. What's new? What's going on? Where would these women maybe want to go? Holy cow, I discovered that the first gigantic d- department store was opening that year. Did it open on the exact same month I needed it to open? No. Okay, I'm fine with moving what month. So let's let these two women go and walk through a department store and talk as they walk. Um, and that to me was just sort of the fun of historical fiction. Mm-hmm. The same. Okay, I get to now. So I spent... You know, way too long researching every detail I could about, okay, what floor would they be on? What would they see? <laughs> what was there? You know, and trying to take that reader into that view of at the same time, I get the story points moved forward and we get to see them in action. Um, because the sisters got a bigger budget from the husband than the wife does. Um, and the, what conflict <laughs> would that be? <laughs> So anyway, point is, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry, I got off of your question. I think, yeah, but, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, I think
3: it's a discovery. It's the story's got to drive it, and then trying to find those interesting moments uh, where you can say, "Why not? Let's put them there." And when I discovered the killer, one of our awful, awful killer that went to San Francisco and poisoned a family, um, you know, I was like, "Okay, I'm, we're going to write that scene. That's a dark, dark mm-hmm. scene." Yeah, okay, I want to write it. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, this is San Francisco six months after the Great Fire and Earthquake. Well, what would that look like? Um, that's a thing we've never seen before. What was disaster recovery? And we're in the middle of you know, we dealing with that a fair amount in the news. Well, what was disaster recovery look like then? Um, and then lo and behold, I discovered that this old man named Holt had, uh, right at that same time, had the very first time he he ever brought his invention called the Caterpillar off of the farms in California to try to be used for industrial use was in the cleanup of San Francisco fire. So I thought, what an interesting scene to have a bunch of men, as we all men do, sit around and watch somebody else work on a machine. <laughs> and so, you know, I thought, OK, I know Holt Caterpillar was there. I know it was the first time it was ever used. All right. So I guarantee you that thing didn't work a 100% of the time. And if it's not working, and old man Holt's out there working on it, what an interesting scene to have hired this, you know, psychopathic murderer. For a moment, he becomes like any other man, and he's just standing there amongst the other men, watching them try to fix the thing. Um, I thought that was just an interesting moment to be able to play, to, you know, and for those people who are kind of think, oh, Hulk Caterpillar, wow, that's the right, you know, it's a little piece of history that's accurate. Um, that's the fun, I guess, I'm, I I can get off on this too much, but this is the fun, I kind of, I, I really have fun with that kind of thing. What can I do that's accurate, that adds texture, mm-hmm. that doesn't take away from the story, and we don't want to linger too long on it, but can bring us uh, forward? i
1: I've mean, always found that uh, readers, I mean, of course, they're reading first and foremost for the story, but I always get, you know, little details like that. I it, They usually, I think, get a very, you know, strong response. <laughs> I'm always sort of amazed yeah. that they do, you know, but they really do. Yeah, I think it's just,
3: it's all painting. I just spend a lot very amount of time working screenplays and the film world and I think it is, you know, it's our obligation to, to paint, you know, and that's who our reader is today. I mean, they're, they're, they're watching series on Netflix. Um, and I think it's such a visual medium. Um, the writing, it it needs to be a visual, in my opinion, it needs to be a visual medium. Readers need an opportunity to plug into their brain and, and paint pictures. So paint some pictures.
2: Yeah. And it makes all the difference because if you could, if you could create the setting the atmosphere because so much of that is missing and there's no way someone today in in 2021 is going to understand what it was like to be in 1921 for instance in a in a city because they there's all the different things going on around the people who was famous you know what stores were open what what there's all of those like you were talking about you need all of that to create the um the platform to, to, you know, to for, for them to really understand why people act and react the way they do.
3: Well, it's, yeah, to me, that's the fun is the sensory part um, too. It's, you know, unfortunate son just thinking, what, did, what would it sound like to be on the streets of Dublin in 17, you know, 1715? How quiet would it be? Mm-hmm. We don't realize how quiet it is. So when you can, so there's a big element of that about the church bells. Well, you can hear those damn things from a long ways away. There's not much else going on. You you know, it's clip clops of hooves and men talking and people talking. That's about it. Um, And there's something about that, that, you know, to me, that's that same thing. It's that immersivity. I think we kind of have a, that's what I, I find fun in historical fiction is that hopefully, I mean, this is for the reader to decide, but that's my ambition anyway. Right. is to immerse them a bit in, in that choice of picking and choosing what sensory elements are going to help them feel immersed.
2: It's, like world,
1: it's essentially kind of world building mm-hmm. the way that, you know, you think of it in terms of sci-fi or fantasy, but we're, you know, world building the past. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And it's all a choice. You know, those choices are fun, John. You know, I know as you, as you know, I mean, they're, I find them fun to be, you know, I can get stuck trying to figure out, well, what can I do? Yeah. i got scene and I don't really have anything to – and then you feel like you're overdoing it. I do sometimes. I don't know if you do, but where you feel like, okay, I've got too many interesting yeah. scenes in a row. How about some uh, – bo- I need a boring – I need to burn a few boring moments. Um, does everything have to be done in, in some interesting thing? You know? Um, no. You know let's burn a few boring moments too, in just the passivity of, of ordinary life
2: Do you ever create characters out of the blue just to fill or make something move along?
3: Oh yeah, um very much uh, especially in in American red uh the main two younger character young characters are fictional um. And they're amalgams. I mean, they're true people. There was undercover agents uh, for the Pinkertons and given a code name. I just didn't know their actual name, his actual name. Um, One of the far cousins of uh, Al Capone was.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
3: I I knew that there was a woman spy, young spy they sent in to try to mix up the prosecution. Um, So I thought, okay, let's make her one and the same person. Let's make Capone's cousin be this spy. Okay. I know that's true that these two people were there. You know, I'm okay with that. And so, I, you know, and now I'm going to move them forward. I'm going to use them because the reader sort of reacted well to them. I'm going to bring those two forward into 1910 in my next, you know, American white, which is going to be the next novel after American red, but um, to tell this story in, in, in Los Angeles, I find that sort of useful. um, And I get kind of build them with everybody else being accurate, you know, as much as possible.
2: Where do they come from? Like, how do you create characters like that? Is it completely in your mind or do you, uh, you finding people out there that you met or you know and and take uh, it from them or kind think, of everything um, i guess it's
3: it, i'm really doing that now with this you know the the, the art of being betsy which is what i'm writing right now which is entirely fictional characters and they're all amalgams of real people you know they're all people i know um put together um in american red it, it's it started with what i knew was true um what actually happened um and you know that these i didn't really have names but two had two or three it more of was a pragmatic thing and then i started so i kind of built stick figures that needed to be certain places and were certain places maybe there's two or three of them but i decided to make them one and um and then you start fleshing them out i think that was, that's how i did it for that because i just I had sort of stick figures in in certain places and i started and then it was also I have main like my main um, uh, you know very true character uh, the main Pinkerton detective um, yeah you know, I wanted to soften see him being more paternal and being softer um, he was known as a hard ass and I needed I want my readers to see him a little more three dimensionally so that's when I started thinking okay let let that guy be uh, you know brought under his wing. Um, and that gives them a conversation, a place to move story, gives them somebody to talk to. Um, and we understand that we can learn a lot about how dangerous that all is by watching him be concerned about this young man. Um, I, I got off of my story. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just making, you know, I'm pulling them out of people I know. Um, yeah, I think. But like I say, there, the underst- uh, when it's historical fiction, there's a framework underneath. Right. Whereas like the current fiction I'm writing now is, there's no framework underneath, which is a little you know a little it's just different it's yeah. different.
2: I was going to say that because i've i've written um, true crime or nonfiction all along, so a lot of your characters in in my case they're sort of already predetermined you you find out about them I can't make them a certain thing they are who they are. they did what they did mm-hmm. and that's kind of how you probably have structured your first ones but when you get into the newer one that you got next year for the art of being betsy um you don't have any of that guideline so it's completely in your own did you like that kind of writing has it been good um yes and no it's i feel like i'm uh you know i don't know
3: maybe this isn't a good example but you know, a sculptor who's decided to go over and try to throw a clay pot. You know, it's just a, it's, a <laughs> it's just a different, um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to historical fiction. Um, but I like what I'm, I, I have something I'm trying to say. I'm more worried I'm being too on the nose. Um, you know, I'm trying to be a little more, you know, there's something that I wanted to say in this, in this book. Um, and, um, yeah, I know. I mean I like it and it's fine. I, I'm looking forward to getting back to historical fiction. I I'm glad to have done it. It's an interesting challenge, a personal challenge, and I and I think it's gonna I mean I'm proud of the book. I think it's gonna be a good good thing. Um but I'm uh, yeah.
2: It I feels like, more I direct. Like
3: the, uh, structure. I like this I like the re- I love the research. I love yeah. the the take finding those little pieces and saying, Can I move this in here? You know, what, what is it like when who did they think what did they think when they heard a telephone ringing? And, you know, some people had a telephones and some didn't in 19, you know, 06 and 07. And some of them didn't trust them at all. They'd much rather <laughs> be, uh, be on telegraph, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um What about cars? What about what do men think? Seeing, you know, we think about, you know, you know. especially I love diving into these guys. They're already starting this idea of, you know, lusting over and talking about different kind of automobiles. Well, that's brand new conversation. Who's ever had that conversation before? Um, I have a scene where, I, you know, it's one of those little personal things. I don't know, John, if you have these, where you kind of write them in. You know, you get a kick out of it. You don't know if your readers right, you're yeah. notice it. <laughs> but you're like, it made me smile, so I put it in there. But, the, you know, and I just have this scene where these two guys are leaning against a car and realizing we can't lean against a horse. I mean, this <laughs> sort of, this is the very first time this, we think that we take it for totally granted that t- two guys will sit out and lean on a car and have a conversation. Well, they might have leaned against a wagon, but it was just sort of they, wo- they just had this moment of notice, like over and south here lean you know. Well, it's a stupid little thing, but it's, I find it sort of funny. I, I got way off your point. I mean, it's, it's
1: right. much cooler yeah. to lean against a car than a wagon, I'll say. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, there's
3: something about that. You know, I just, I don't know, but I, did readers notice that? I kinda almost hope they don't because that that but right. I've made it so subtle. Otherwise <laughs> it's just one of those little writers kits you get. You know, I don't know, John, do you have that same sort of when you're writing historical they find little moments or like
1: Yeah, I definitely will slip in some things that are kind of just for me. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like references to things that I you would not maybe like someone might get, you know, but it's just, it's really, I'm just acknowledging it's for me, you know, right. Right. and if someone happens upon it or, you know, it's, that's great, but um, it, it's there. <laughs> Easter eggs, I guess.
3: Yeah. My biggest yeah. problem with unfortunate son was the extraordinary coincidences that happened. In the historical record, I mean, I've got the original newspaper articles that his friend would run. He would run into his friend after he's been sold into slavery. He's been for fourteen years. He's going to run into his friend, his Irish friend, that he hasn't seen for fourteen years, just on the docks in Yorktown. What the hell? I really wanted to write a, a you know a, a note in the margin, you know, before people throw the book across the room, going, "No, oh, this is bull. oh
1: my." to say, you know,
3: no, no, actually, this actually happened.
1: <laughs> but that's... Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because we talked sort of about inventing characters, but I'm sure, if, although you're dealing with historical events, there's still, you know, so you can still play around with structure, and... Yeah. Um, and how you might approach something like that, you know. I mean, what can you do? I mean, it's a, it's a coincidence. It's important, you know, <laughs> important yeah. to the storytelling, and you can't really, un, you know, but do you, do you massage it a little bit? Do you, I just ah. had the characters. I gave
3: the characters a you've got to be kidding me conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I let them be as a stop.
1: Right. Hopefully
3: right. the reader would be. So it doesn't look like I'm just going, oh, yeah, and they happen to run each other. And they, but, but, but here we go. Like it does what you know, that's all I can do is just make let you feel how astonished they are because you're thinking it did happen. So they must have been really astonished. Um, and so I think that was worthy of taking a few beats and letting you know, that was all I could do, really. But yes, I definitely wanted to write something in the margin.
1: You know. and it's like a good writing tip. Like if you need if you need to move something like that that readers might raise eyebrows at have the characters acknowledge it. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. And then the reader will to. feel better about it.
3: <laughs> yeah. If they and I you know, I put an excerpt of the actual newspaper in the book the opening of that chapter. It's like a <laughs> I'm hoping to be like, No, 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 no. This is actually <laughs> But they don't really know if I've made that up or not, you know, that, that newspaper. Sure, yeah. So when I would did book tours for that, I carried that newspaper with me. And that. <laughs> I was like, I actually have these original newspapers from seventeen hundreds. That's uh it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to do and you can you know, get yourself a little but it's like the Leopold Moeb thing. I wouldn't write that one. <laughs>
2: yeah, and, and looking back at it, I yeah, I, Because it, it,
3: it doesn't have enough you know, it doesn't have enough you ask a question about you know, am I trying to say something in these or whatever? I, I don't think it has enough to say. I thought about it because it kind of takes place between you know these two books, American Red and what's going to be American White, and then eventually American Blue. But the but it that it takes place in the time period, and I'm just like, you know what? Mm. You know, there's just not enough. I don't think it has enough to say. It, it, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I and for me, I was trying to capture it just them too, and their relationship but i'm trying to put it in a bigger series of a couple of books. oh you're writing this i didn't mean that oh, i thought you said you read something on the- yeah no I, I i wrote that as part of a oh, series I,
3: oh that sounded terrible me saying I no wouldn't.
2: i i agree I totally it
3: that way uh, it's I, not I something hats it, off to you i it,
2: well no it's not something i would attack in that way because of saying something except for the idea that because they were gay that they were killers my right. my thought was that they had a relationship there was a unique part of their relationship but it, it, we have a lot of couple killer couples out there right and, and i'm trying to take away the the stereotype of two gay men that were right obviously something bad in in that time period and illegal and probably thought of as quite ill in certain ways. Um, I'm, I'm trying to separate that. Well, the yeah. interesting thing for me is that, yeah, mass murders can be gay. Guess what? Yeah.
3: Um, you know, I mean, I mean, or they weren't mass murderers, but, but murders can be, I mean, the human, and in fact, that's all the more humanizing, regardless of sexual proclivity.
2: There's, exactly. good,
3: there's good and bad. Right, right. <laughs> it, right. And that's kind of the damn point. Difference, you know. And
2: that was kind of the point, the same as uh, Fritz Harmon, like some of these Killers that I'm bringing out. I'm trying to make them look as I don't want to say this normal, but normal as normal right. people are. Like they're they're not doing this because of their sexual what they like. They're they're right. doing it because of something else. And so I I think that was kind of my point in in that I thing. But I it you know it yeah. may may not be accepted as well as I thought it would be. But it doesn't right. matter. You
1: know, well, a, well i think I mean I think that's just it well any point it's not so much that you can, you can write about anything you just gotta know what sort of perspective or point of view you want to take with it and um I mean certainly you know I think historically there's been a lot of conflation with criminality and homosexuality, and you're trying to you yeah. know, separate those two right essentially yeah. <laughs> So they're yeah. not necessarily related. The, the, the problem here has nothing to do with homosexuality. The problem here has to do with a whole other relationship dynamic that is um, exactly. Problematic. See,
2: yeah. I, I, you can write my forward. <laughs> you know what I did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's another story. We're yeah, we're yeah, here for yeah. David here. <laughs> here for now I have to ask this question because um, I, we, we get a lot of fictional writers and and. It seems very unusual to me, but um, when I ask fictional writers what their relationship is with the characters, quite a few of them tell me it's like their family, it's like their friends, their children. I hear all these words, and they hear they hear their voices in their heads and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think it's really bizarre because I've always stuck to nonfiction and, and sort of like you, even historical fiction, I'm kind of doing things in that area. So I don't quite get it, but maybe you have an opinion on this. Like, what are your made-up characters to you? Like, how do you see them? If I
3: don't have an emotional relationship with them, I don't think that's – I mean, I think that's a recipe for not particularly good writing Um, in my feelings. I better have an emotional relationship with them if I want to bring them alive. Um, To me, that's a fast path for a cardboard character. If you're not feeling some connection Um, to to me, for me, I don't mean to talk about any other reader, any other writer. Um, I'm just saying for me, Um, I'm not artificially creating that, but if I'm finding myself, you know, not that invested, well, that's a bad sign. Um, I feel more connected though. I mean, boy, when I found James Anilsey's grave, I just wept. I mean, He's a real character. No one's ever told his story. And I just got, got so invested in this real person who made these these true I mean, there's scenes in there that just, you know, that uh, I discovered, you know, what his relationship was. And there's a lot of personal, you know, that you bring in that we just don't know a lot of those things. So I get very personally connected with well, with him and his friend. But in American Red, my personal connection's more with the fictional one. Um Uh, Yeah, no, no, I do. I care. I I have to care. I think you have to care. I don't know how you could do it. I think that's going to come through. I think it's, you know, like a musician playing a piece of music. If you're not emotionally invested, we're going to hear that. Mm. Um, I I think there needs to be some emotional investment. I've teared up plenty of times writing, um, you know, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't tell people that. I mean, I'm telling people that now, but I mean, it, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I don't, it's not artificial. It's, I, I kind of roll with it, you know?
2: Yeah. Do you hear voices in your head too? Or no,
3: <laughs> uh, I, I hear conversations a lot. I mean, cause I've let my mind roll with, with, okay, I, I, I try to go in that room and turn them loose and just listen to them um, talking. Oftentimes it's just, I can't make out the words. And I just get closer to them. And then I start, you know, I, that sounds a little hokey, but it's just kind of my method. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm the one creating that. I don't believe in all this, you know, I uh, let my characters write, whatever. I, yeah. I just, but I do, that's my exercise of the art is to go in and just try to sit in that room and just listen and try to, and try to listen to them. Try to, as best I can, to hear what they might be, you know, what, how might that conversation go down or what might they be feeling? It just depends on the character and where I am in the story. And, um, yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. Well, you're a very, at this point too, in, in your life, you're very, um, accomplished. You, you've done, you know, lots of, of good work here and you've got kind of a, a, a status. Um, and you appear quite confident. How, how does that come to a writer? like you, like that, that, that wasn't that way from the beginning. No. What is it that, what is that one pivotal thing? Or is there something that an event or something that goes on that all of a sudden makes you feel confident, like you're doing something that's, that's good. You know, it's,
3: I'd love to say it's somehow internal, but it's not, let's be honest. It's that affirmation. We're doing this for, I mean, yes, I I write because, You know, I'd write if no one was going to read it. But let's be honest, I'm writing because I want to connect, you know, with others. So when you get that confirmation, and I do this in writing workshops when I work with writers, but I, it's finding that connection. When you get that spark of connection, there's nothing like it. It's just like I I did. I've been on I've done, you know, some things on stage earlier in my life a lot. And, you know, it's that audience reaction. It's that, hey, it's not, oh, look at me it's, wow, I've, there's a connection there. You know, that's, that's it. That's the good stuff. That's that. You're chasing that high. You know, I want to make that connection. Um, and once I knew I could make that connection when fortunate son got the, started pulling in the reviews and I, you know, and I, it, it certainly changed. I'm no longer sweating agents and publishers and, and all that. And you there is a freedom of, no people this is going to get published and this will be tapped into people's heads you know to me it's like a wire stuck in their brain you know and you're getting to play pictures in there so do it right damn it because they're going to do it you, you have that opportunity um there's a i think there's a confidence that builds there once you know you know, talking to other your other writers who aren't published yet there's still that unconfidence. Uncompet- is anybody going to ever read this and, and is it going to be any good and once you get the sense of no people will read this and I have the capacity for it to be good notice I said I have the capacity I'm not trying to say everything <laughs> at all is good I'm just saying once you acknowledge that you do have the capacity to create good work then I think that's where the confidence comes uh, in my
2: opinion uh, Um do you, do you like the uh, current, um, let's say, atmosphere of social media, where a lot of people can connect with you all the time, and constantly? Because not everyone is 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 going to be nice, especially of you know the way it is, and you know nowadays. Right. Does that is that sort of a a good thing, or is it added stress, or do you do you sort of worry about eh, no. what you can I've got or can't? So do? many
3: other things in my life in politics and the, oh, I've gotten myself into so many other things that interest me and, uh, outside of writing, I don't really care. I, you know, um, I don't really draw any negative. I mean, I'd like to get that, you know, if I'm drawing negative, it means I'm, I'm, more, I mean, that means I'm even more successful. Um, I, you know, um, so no, I, you know, I, we all just know we're, we're writing in a, it's more the, the, the whole thing. It's not really your question, but my whole point about the whole social media and the online is just nobody's reading anymore. And that's the, that's the overall frustration is just the the great loss of, of you know, our art form has to change. And it's in trying to write to the modern reader, um, that's more the challenge. You know, that's where I feel maybe you gentlemen would do too. I feel like I'm in the wrong, you know, wrong generation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah, interesting,
3: but, but it's a challenge. I mean, that um, we, we all have to be up for the challenge. Um.
2: Do, do you like the whole Amazon thing? Um, self-publishing and people just, and the scattering that there's tons of oh, yeah. things out there. I, I, Cause I have mixed feelings. Cause I see the ability of someone not needing a publisher. And I think that's great, but it's also bad because there's a lot of people that don't, yeah you, you know there's there's, there's the something yeah there's something you get out of a publisher, you know the editing the process and and being good enough, you know and making yourself better rather if your publisher just...
3: actually edits
2: uh, well <laughs> 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 well, you know um you know oh, um, you know what I make yeah
3: yeah, um, yeah, no, I think that you bet you know that you can. Just like anything else, you can over flood the market and it and it, and it only it doesn't increase the the um oh look every you know it's like people complaining about oh all these musicians you know only a few get attention well yeah, because it's flooded, anybody can go shove their stuff out there on and that may feel good to them, but that doesn't i think it only hurts the audience more into just the big names because Mm -hmm. of the noise i mean you get so much noise you just start looking for only i think it doesn't it doesn't invite readers to go explore as much because they know once you walk into that exploration room there's a million things as opposed to you can be in the nice safe curated room Mm -hmm. does that make sense Oh, yeah. Before the other room of exploration may be, you know, several hundred, but it was more of an open exploration as opposed to just a wall of noise, Um, which maybe I'm not. This is just a theory. I mean, I don't know if this is true. This is just the way I feel about it
2: a bit. Um, Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, But just does the noise affect you? And, And not only the noise from that, but just the whole world. I mean, in in cases of, you know, like the pandemic and you've got, you know, political things going on, you have all this, it's, it seems like there's a wild world, and um, do, does that stress you in your writing? Do, are you the type that get a, gets affected by it?
3: No, I think maybe that's what it is, but that's historical fiction, guys, or historical people, it's just, there's nothing new. Yeah, yeah. You know, it this, isn't. Yeah. is it new? You know, this isn't I mean, I find it interesting that it's not new. I'm not saying it's boring that it's not new, but I find it actually interesting that it's not new. So it's more of a, you know, I'm already thinking, I mean, I stay away from it. I, was, I thought in this fiction I'm working right now. Uh, you know, I've thought about letting one of my protagonists, you know, love interest die of COVID. And I thought, eh, no, mm. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody wants to read that. So that's kind of the influence I kind of get. It's just kind of like, well, all right, but otherwise – this too shall pass and it'll be something else. And, you know, yeah, I I think that the human drama at the core, the people watching other people struggle with the, with the, you know, the um, existential issues of their day. um, I think there's power in that and seeing how they overcame people had to come overcome so much more than we're having to overcome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, um, that, um, yeah, it's a long winded answer, but no, I don't really it doesn't really bother me too much, it just you know, at all. I mean it doesn't yeah. impact me as far as my writing's concerned. No. I'm just kinda like maybe people will read more. Um, I don't I don't know if that's true though. Yeah. Yeah. I think the audiobook element has is, is a good thing. I mean, I'm excited about that. I'm am about to record American Red. Um myself, my publishers, we've we kind of decided that I'm gonna do it myself. Um but um you know i'm looking forward to that i think there's a you know you're doing this podcast i think there's some other opportunities for telling stories i think um yeah i'm getting off. Yeah. I'll, I'll hush and let you answer it i them.
2: love the audiobook thing because um as my eyes get worse and i'm getting older i love listening to a lot of the books and yeah. uh, and, and it's good to do it to yourself because when it comes from you the writer um you don't have to fake the uh the feeling throughout it it's it's real it's coming from you yeah. I think
3: you're still, certainly is very much of an art form. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of readers, a lot of writers have no business reading their own because they, you know, they don't understand acting enough or, yeah. or, or the, the, the subtlety yeah. of of how to do that line. You know, they just think, so I'm really, I'm, even though I have some experience with it, I'm still a bit nervous about it, especially because I have all these multiple characters. I I've been I've been watching all these, You know, I'm I'm getting ready. Like, just how subtly do I want to shift between characters? All those kinds of things. Yeah. But, I mean, a fortunate son has to have a British, uh, a native British uh, reader uh, do it. I would never do that. My accent would just come through and it would ruin it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't sound real. If you're doing it that way, yeah. And you're not going to sound like a woman very much, are you? The sister.
3: No, and it's an interesting, (laughs) well, it's interesting. I was watching some things recently on how to, I've just been really concerned about that. Or thinking, concern, I, you know, just thinking, trying to teach myself um, about how to use the vocal instrument in a way that doesn't sound like you're a man trying to talk like a woman, you know, nothing that old. Oh my! But you're trying to be, you no. Know, but how do they do that? And so, I, you know, there's things like that. I'm trying to teach teach myself a little bit about you know, using the instrument. It's a different form of art, but it's still our story, and it's, and again, it's all about connecting with that audience.
2: So, mm. um, yeah. well. David, we're running out of time. So let's talk about contact. So yeah, where do you like people to find you? Is it your website or do you like social yeah, media? I think
3: that's the easiest way. Uh just my davidmarlett dot com. Uh mm-hmm. there's there's a contact there. That's that's usually the easiest way. Uh, more direct. I'm also on Facebook, but whatever. Um
2: yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic uh, well we got you two books up and we'll have that your website as well and of course uh be on the lookout for the book next year early of yep. 2022
3: i think it's gonna be later yeah it'll be later 2022
2: yeah yeah you've yeah. been out partying too much right oh my gosh <laughs> exactly
3: <laughs> it's my teaching load man i didn't i i'm a professor at law school and i law schools and i I, yeah, I don't know how it's you do gotten it. A, it's got me a little side uh, behind. I'm behind schedule. How about that? I think yeah. we all three would understand that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's,
2: it's kind of a <laughs> I'm a teacher story. as well, so I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, not it's behind, it's, yeah. yeah. Never yeah. ends. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. Um, our guest today, of course, is Mr. David Marlette. Thank you for being here. Well, I really
3: appreciate you guys
2: inviting me. and And it's just been,
3: yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure.
0: Get the latest news and opinions from Eric Shapiro from the House of Mystery website
3: in the Shapiro Report. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com.
2: Show is over for now.
3: Was it as good for you as it was for me?
0: Well, good night. This has been a production
3: of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts,